0: Um, Well, first of all, I need to say that I grew up in a military family, and we traveled around a lot. But uh, when I was nine years old, we were stationed in in Maryland, Fort George G. Meade, Maryland. And my mom and dad always believed that connecting with rural families, farm families, was an important value. And wherever we went, they always managed to find a farm family that we connect with. My dad did an interim uh, pastorate while he was stationed at Fort George Meade in a little church in Ringgold, Maryland, and one of the families that was a part of that little church uh, was a newcomer family, and they owned a dairy farm, and we got to be good friends with them. In fact, uh, it became sort of a family tradition that we would spend the summer on the farm, and so my oldest brother David got to spend a, a couple of summers there, Marilyn got to spend a couple of summers, and it got to be my turn to spend a summer there, but we got stationed in Germany, and we had to cut that one short. But at any rate, we had this farm connection. And I remember when I was nine years old that we were up on the farm and uh, they had a, a trailer in the barn that was full of hay that they wanted to pull out. And for some reason, I managed to get onto the tractor seat in front of the, the steering wheel and all that kind of stuff. My feet could barely touch the pedals. Fortunately, the, the gas is on the column and there's, you know, once you put it in gear, you don't have to shift or anything like that. So. I thought I could drive this tractor, and I could pull this trailer out of the barn, and everything would be really cool, and I might even be a hero. Well, let me tell you, nine years old, lots of things can you imagine in your mind that don't become reality. I pulled the trailer out, and somebody said that we needed to turn, so I turned the wheel, and not having driven very much at nine years old, I turned the wheel too sharp, and of course the big wheels in the back of the tractor turned and stayed in place, and the wooden trailer tongue got closer and closer and pretty soon the wheel cracked the tongue and it was a like a eight inch beam of wood and it cracked and everybody was upset i was upset Uh, the adults were really upset and and so in my mind i'm hearing all this upsetness and i'm thinking to myself well, obviously you can't do this, so you'll never be able to do this. And I built up in my mind the impossibility of me being able to drive a vehicle and pull something behind it. And, and so from that time until uh, just a few years ago, I never attempted to pull a trailer, always thought that would be something that I could never do. It was impossible in my mind, and I built it up into this huge thing. And when you, when you do that, even when you have an experience of being successful at doing it, somehow it doesn't count. I worked at a greenhouse for um, a year or so, and one of my jobs was to put bedding plants down on the floor of the greenhouse so that they could grow. And what we had to do was drive an electric cart with four trailers behind it down to the bedding floor, unload them, turn around, and haul it back up so it could be refilled. Uh, and bring some more down. Even though I was pulling four trailers at a time with an electric cart, in my mind it's an impossible thing for me to drive something and pull a trailer. So a couple of years ago, Colin and Becky bought a uh, dining room table set from somebody up in Scottsbluff, Nebraska, and he needed to borrow my pickup, our pickup. We We put a hitch on it. It came with a receiver hitch. We bought the ball uh, and he borrowed a flatbed trailer, and we drove up there. And I got to drive the truck and pull the trailer up to Scottsbrough, Nebraska, and there wasn't any problems. It was amazing. And this thing that I thought was impossible for me to do turned out to be very possible. Uh, and it was uh, exciting to be able to do that and delay that impossibility to rest. All of us struggle with hope. We set up impossible barriers in our minds and they get reinforced by circumstances, the prevailing fears and uh, spreading doubt. And so we just simply give up and we enter into despair. The world indeed is a dark place. It's filled with trouble and turmoil. We witness the tragedies of life around us and we hear stories that are filled with despair and fear from uh, COVID to inflation to whatever it might be. And it seems that we want to define our hopes By our expectations, we want positive outcomes, and we rely on people and institutions, and so often they fail us, and our hopes are dashed, and we fall into despair, and we think that hope is something that is impossible for us to enjoy. Last week, uh, Pastor Ben was beginning this sermon series, Among Us, And he talked about the fact that God is near to us and that we simply need to uh, open our eyes and turn around and discover that we've been facing the wrong way and that God is right there uh, with us. I would invite you to get out your Bibles. Uh, Maybe it's on your phone, uh, some other kind of electronic device. Hold that up and let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for your word of life. We thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you that you are always here with us. We ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive from your word life that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, nothing is impossible with God. Luke 1.37 says that. Nothing will be impossible with God. And I want you to notice, first of all, the, the preposition that is there. And notice that it is not for. So often we say, nothing is impossible for God. And that's true. God is all powerful and he can do anything and he has uh, the ability uh, and he has that uh, power to do anything. So nothing is impossible for God. And yet when we say it that way, it seems that God is way up there, out there, disconnected from us. And even though we believe that God can do uh, all things, we don't think he might do those things for us. Because he's way out there. That is that transcendent idea of God. That we're separated by distance. But notice what Luke writes. Is nothing for nothing will be impossible with God. That God is present. And that while he has the ability and the power uh, that's a part of his nature, he chooses to be involved with us, that he is imminent, that he is right here with us, among us, connected to our life, involved in our world, and that when we partner with God, he uses his ability and his power to accomplish the things that we think are impossible. His presence takes impossible out of our circumstances. Our text is Luke 1, 26 through 38. It is the announcement of the birth of Jesus uh, that the angel Gabriel gave to Mary in Nazareth. And the story goes this way. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Nothing will be impossible with god you see our hope is grounded in the promises of god and jesus is the personification of our hope he embodies our hope he is the incarnation of our hope that in his person he bears our hope And so the more we come to know Jesus, the more our hope is enlivened. Hebrews 6, 17 through 20 says this about hope. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is the anchor of our soul, that the hope that he embodies is the anchor of our soul. He holds us fast. He keeps us from drifting by wind or by wave. Jesus has entered into the Holy of Holies to administer his grace. Not into a temple on earth, but into the temple that is in heaven. And there as high priest, he makes the atoning sacrifice for us. And he also lifts each of us up by name as he prays as an intercessor on our behalf as he does his high priestly duties and so we can have hope because Jesus is in the presence of God and he embodies our hope you see Jesus fulfills all the promises of God 2nd Corinthians 1 20 through 22 uh, Paul writes to the church there. For all the promises of God find their yes in him that is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. You see, Jesus is God's yes to us as he gives us his Holy Spirit living with us. He guarantees the outcome of our faith so that we know that we belong to Jesus and God belongs to us. And so hope shines brightly in the midst of the darkness. All of the hope that we have is grounded in the promises that Jesus makes to us. We indeed live in dark and troubling times. There is so much about this world that is not right, and it is filled with darkness. And yet our faith in Jesus Christ was created for such a time as this. That in the midst of darkness our hope shines all the brighter. That it stands out all the more for people to see because of who Jesus is. Paul discovered that in his weakness, in his powerlessness, in his ineffectiveness, in his inability to be rid of a troubling thorn in his flesh, he discovered that God's power is manifested in his weakness. So if you're feeling a little bit of despair, if you're feeling surrounded by the darkness, if you are uh, in that place that doesn't feel so comfortable, know that you are in a very good place because it is in the midst of weakness. It is in the place of darkness. It is in the place of trouble that the power of God is manifested in our life. We See it as impossible. But for God, all things are possible with God. In this story of the angel announcing the birth of Jesus, we find lots of things that appear to be impossible. Uh, one of the things is the promise of a Savior that is fulfilled. Luke 131 says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. God had promised way back at the beginning of uh, the Old Testament in Genesis chapter three verse 15, as he's speaking to Adam and Eve and to the serpent, uh, Jesus, uh, or God makes this declaration, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel." And so there is uh, the very first promise of hope of salvation. That one day Satan would be defeated. One day Satan would be destroyed. One day all of his ill effects would be healed. And that promise is fulfilled in Jesus. And the announcement to Mary is the beginning of the fulfillment of that promise. The very name Jesus, when we speak the name of Jesus, what we are speaking in Hebrew is God saves. It's a declaration that God is at the work of salvation, that he is the one who is our savior and that in Jesus Christ, he is saving us. And so that promise is fulfilled in Jesus to bring healing, to release captives, uh, to bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus came to bring life, not only here and now, but also eternally. And his birth marks the beginning of that fulfillment. The fulfillment is, is found in his cross, in his tomb, in his resurrection, in his ascension, in his uh, being present fully with God so that he can be present fully with us wherever we might be in the world. First Timothy 3.16 is a succinct, poetic statement of the good news of Jesus Christ. And Paul writes there to Timothy these words, "...great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness." He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels or messengers, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. There's the whole gospel from the incarnation to the ascension. Uh, It is all there that Jesus is the one who has accomplished that, that Jesus will indeed save us, and that we can count upon that promise because it is our hope. There's also the promise of a greater kingdom. Luke 1 32 through 33 says, He will be great and, and be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. David's kingdom was large. Solomon's kingdom was glorious as it was expanded. And the kingdom of Jesus is eternal. It has a greater king, one who is in the lineage of David, and yet who is also uh, fully divine. Romans 1, 3 through 3-4, in Paul's introduction to the, to the Roman church, writes these words regarding uh, Jesus. He writes, Concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so Jesus has this dual nature, and it's right here in the Christmas story for us to see uh, that he is fully human, that he is born of Mary, and he has a full human nature. He's in the lineage of of David, and yet he also is Son of the Most High, that he is the Son of God, that he is conceived by the Holy Spirit, and so that he has that divine nature as well, that he's fully divine, and that his resurrection declares and proves that he is Jesus Christ our Lord. God is sovereign, he rules, he is in control, and he has determined the final outcome that he is for us that He favors us, that He is blessing us. There are impossibilities in this announcement. And Mary points out a few of them. How can she, who is a virgin and simply betrothed but not fully married yet, how can she bear a son that would be such a great son? How can this son have an eternal kingdom? There are impossibilities in here, but remember, with God, there is nothing that is impossible. Nothing will be impossible with God. Uh, 1 Peter 3.15 reminds us that we need to be able to give a reason for the, for the hope that we have. We have hope in Jesus Christ, but we need to be able to identify the reasons that we have hope so that we can share those reasons with people who ask us about the hope that we have. And our hope is grounded in the promises that God has made to us in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look at a few of the promises uh, that God has for us in Jesus Christ. The first promise is that He will give us the Spirit of God, that Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. John 14, 12 through 21 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. I will come to you, yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. In the realm of the strictly physical and natural These promises that Jesus makes are impossible and yet they are true for us because he is God's yes and he will bring them to be. There are promises that we need to keep in mind in this passage uh, that we will do greater works than the work of Jesus because God's spirit lives in us. That God is glorified whenever we ask Jesus to do things for us in his name because that brings God glory. It allows God to be at work in our life. He gives the Holy Spirit as our helper, the one who comes alongside of us and and works with us and partners with us so that we can be empowered by him to do the things that God has called us to do. Jesus says and promises that I will not leave you as orphans. So often we feel abandoned in our life. So, far, so many times we feel separated, so many times we feel as if we are on our own, and the truth is that we are always in the presence of God, that we are never orphaned by Jesus or abandoned by Jesus because he is always present with us, and the Holy Spirit is what is, speaks to us the fa- about the fact of our relationship. Jesus says, because I live, you also will live. And so the promise of the resurrection is, is one for us to know that we can live with him forever and that Jesus will manifest himself to those who love him. All of these things seem impossible to us, and yet they are true promises, and God makes them come true in Jesus Christ. The more we get to know Jesus, the more we get to see what he's doing, and the more we get to be with him in this world Another promise that God gives to us in Jesus Christ is that the Holy Spirit is our seal. Ephesians 1:13 says, "In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit." A seal usually is a ring and it's used to imprint wax that can be on an envelope that contains uh, important documents it can also be used in trade to put a seal on a crate, and the seal in such a manner used is something that signifies ownership uh, that the person who sealed it owns what 's inside of it and has the right to dispose of it, how he will uh, on uh, a crate of goods, it signifies ownership that it belongs to a person uh, and and therefore is protected by that and as a seal. Uh, the Holy Spirit marks us as belonging to God, that we are His, uh, that we are owned by Him and possessed by Him, and that we're treasured by Him, that we are important to Him. And it's a guarantee uh, that the contents is genuine and true, and so it is with us. It's also a, a down payment on the promise that the Holy Spirit is a down payment. You know, when you buy uh, a large ticket item like a house or a car, often you put a down payment on that before the transaction is completed. And, and that down payment means that you're going to follow through on your promise to buy that thing. And, and that earnest money uh, puts you into a relationship with the seller so that you're going to follow through on the, on the deal. And so the Holy Spirit is our down payment on heaven. Because God has given us the Holy Spirit, that means he's going to follow through on the other promises, and that we're going to realize the fullness of those promises in due time. And it's also a foretaste of heaven, so that when the Holy Spirit is involved in our life, we get to actually experience a little bit of what heaven might be like, and we get to have our eyes opened and our hearts open to receive what that might be like, so that we can look forward to what God has for us in the fullness of of time. Another promise that, that God makes to us in Jesus Christ is that we will be adopted as his sons. Romans 8, 14 through 18 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. When God adopts us into his family, uh, that is a demarcation of the fact that something new has come in the roman world when a person was adopted their old name their old life everything attached to that old life was declared dead and buried so any obligations under that old life debts uh, even transgressions of the law were done away with and they no longer applied to you as that new person that was adopted into a new family You got a new name. You got a new life. You got a clean slate. You were starting over. Uh, You were fresh and new because you were adopted into that family. And so adoption ends one life and begins another. Adoption brings new life. And adoption cancels all debts and former obligations. Adoption gives us a clean slate as a new person. And let me just add in here that Paul seems to speak in sexist language, that he calls it adoption as sons. Uh, But let me just remind you that what Paul is saying, that all of us, whether we're male or female, become sons of God. That we are empowered the same as if we were the firstborn in the family that we will receive the inheritance, that we will receive the legacy of our Father, that we will receive the power and authority that is His, that we can use that in our life. And whether we're male or female, doesn't matter, we are sons of God and have that as our legacy. So That all of us are empowered equally by God's Spirit. And when we are adopted, we become that new person in Jesus Christ. The promise that God gives to us is that we will become a habitation of God, that we will become a place where God dwells. Jesus the Father, of the Holy Spirit, will live with us. John 14:23 says Jesus answered one of his disciples and said, "If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to Him and make our home with Him." There is a promise. That the fullness of God will dwell in us, with us, through the Holy Spirit. That Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit will live within us and be with us uh, forever. In Ephesians 2, 12-22, Paul uh, described the life of Gentile people apart from the hope of the Jewish faith. He wrote these words, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ... and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, and in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. When we were separated from Christ before Jesus came into our life, we were without hope in this world. But now that Jesus has come, we have hope. And Jesus is taking all of the the separations, the barriers, the labels, all those things that separate us, and he's done away with them in his cross. And he is bringing us together into his body, creating a new humanity. And because he's doing that, we have the promise that God will live in us and that together we will become that dwelling place of God's Spirit That's what Peter was saying as he wrote uh, 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5, that we're built into a holy temple of God. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Each one of us, is a stone that has come alive because of God's Spirit living in us. And Jesus, the master building, is taking each one of us and assembling us into a temple of God so that not only does the Spirit of God dwell in us individually, but the Spirit of God dwells in us as God's people, that together we are that place where God dwells in Jesus Christ and that we are being built into that place. We're royal children of our Father. Not only are we offspring of God, heirs of the promise of Abraham, as Galatians 3.29 says, if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. But we're also uh, children of God. In Ephesians 1.18, Paul reminds us to let our hearts be enlightened to open the eyes of our hearts. He says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Because we are children of God, we have an inheritance, we have a legacy that God has for us. And Jesus reminds us that that when we do the will of God, that we are actually becoming brothers and sisters with him. Mark 335 As Jesus is teaching, his family has come to take him away because they're concerned about his mental health. And Jesus speaks to the people uh, that he's teaching, and he says these words, For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. And so when we do God's will, we become God's children. And indeed, we are royal children. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, as as Peter continues that little passage, he says, But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence, excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous lights. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so we are chosen by God. We've become a royal priesthood to offer uh, praise and praise Prayer to God, a holy nation set apart for God's work, called out of darkness into light. And because of that, we share in the victory that God has for us in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-seven. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has won the ultimate victory, and he shares that victory with us. Remember, for nothing will be impossible with God. Hope is grounded in the promise of our Father. He has announced his salvation and he has given us assurance of our legacy as his children by the down payment of his Holy Spirit in our life. I would invite you to stand as you're able. Uh, worship band, if you'd come up on the platform. Maybe there's something that you have classified as impossible. Something that you know you can't do. Something that's so big you think God can't even do it. And you've labeled it as impossible in your mind and it is like an anchor that holds you in place and you can't move forward with God. Remember nothing is impossible with god and today is your opportunity to let that impossible thing be classified as possible for god that you can lay it down at his feet and he will deal with it he'll take it away and he will open your eyes so that you can see that you can move through that what is impossible for you and i to do in our own strength and our own power is possible for God to do in us and with us and through us. And all we need to do is come to Jesus and give that to him, to lay it down at his feet and to receive from him hope and power and grace. That Jesus wants to take your impossible thing and make it possible. To give you life when all you see is death. To give you hope where all you see is despair. To give you light in the midst of darkness where all you can see is darkness. The power of Jesus is present and he's near you right now. And he's whispering your name simply to come to him and take this thing that seems impossible and give it to him. And he will make a way for you because he is the promise keeper. He's the way maker. He's the one that gives us hope and life. You have promises that God has given to you. And right now you can walk into those. You can say yes to Jesus and with him you can move into the things that he has for you the hope that he has for you, the promises of life eternal, the hope uh, that you can become filled with light, that you can be his son and that he loves you and favors you and is with you and for you. Keep saying yes to Jesus and walk into the hope that he has for you this morning. Imagine what our life would be like as a congregation. There are things that that we say are impossible as God's people to do. And yet if we'll simply lay those down at his feet, he will do those things in us and with us and through us. That if we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, he will move us forward into the things that we can't even imagine. What is impossible for us is very possible for God. And this morning, as we come to him, let us say our yes to him. Let us lay down those impossibilities at his feet so that he can make all things possible for us this morning. Would you pray with me? Oh, loving God, we thank you that you are the God who makes impossible things possible, that you break barriers, uh, that you break chains, that you remove obstacles and that you move us forward in life. That when we walk with you, we are are able to do far more than we can imagine or think, and that your power is what accomplishes all things for us. And so so far, Lord, we ask that you would be here, that you would be with us, that you would remove from us the things that we think count as impossible, And that you would show us what we can do with you. Open our eyes, open our hearts, that we might receive your grace and that we might move forward with you in life. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So this action steps that I have for you, first of all, pray for wisdom that you would see what's impossible and give it to God. Stop looking backward and look forward to what God's doing enlist other people to pray with you for uh, the letting go of those impossible things and then listen with open ears and eyes for how God is answering your prayer. Amen.